0: You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join us to wrap up the last segment is Sunita Puri. Good morning. Good morning. You have written a very interesting memoir. It it is a memoir, right? Yes. Yes, Uh, Life and Medicine in the 11th Hour, That Good Night. Tell me how that came about.
1: So I have always been a writer well before I became a doctor. And in particular, I've always loved language and communication and the telling and hearing of stories. And so given that, it's really no surprise to me that I ended up Practicing Palliative Care Medicine, which is a newer subspecialty in medicine in which listening to a patient's experience of serious illness and helping them figure out what they want for themselves Mm -hmm. if they are facing the end of their lives, that's really the core of my practice. And the book came about for two reasons. One, I noticed just how big of a problem, how big of a language problem medicine has, that we talk around rather than about suffering, dignity, living and dying. And so as someone who has a writing background, that was very compelling to me. And I wanted to write a book that would give people maybe different language in which to talk about mortality, um, both in their homes and in the hospitals, so that maybe they could define for themselves a bit better, more clearly, what they would want for themselves if if they were facing a serious illness. Um, Um, Excuse me, Zunita,
0: I'm I'm hearing a a buzz on the line, and I want to give you the best quality as far as, because we are recording. What I'm going to do, this is a little unusual. I'm going to ask you to call back so I can clear the line, and then I'm going to bring you right back on. Okay. Okay, thanks. All right, thanks. Okay. I don't know if you guys were hearing a buzz, but I was hearing a buzz. So um, let's get that squared away so we get the best possible conversation going so we'll pause and then we'll bring her right back on all right let's do this one more time hi there hi oh that's much better okay (laughs) I didn't want that to go on throughout the entire conversation that wouldn't have been good let me back up because I always like hearing people's backstories how did you um, become a writer So, you know, when I was a kid,
1: my father, my parents are both immigrants from India, and my father really wanted me to succeed in this country. And one of the ways he felt that he could help me was helping me to master language, to master the English language. And so every day I had to write a page, and it could be about, I could write about anything but my father would have me write it and he would inspect it for grammatical errors and spelling errors. And that was really when I started to really find the joy in writing and storytelling. So that's really the the seeds of my my origin as a writer. Um, I also was a voracious reader, and I think that you have to be a voracious reader to be a good writer. So it was both of those things that really led me to this deep reverence of language and storytelling um, and that ultimately led me to write this
0: book. Yeah, That's amazing that you were doing that at a young age. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I, com- I hated it at the I'm time. Sure. Let me yeah. be completely <laughs> honest. But
1: I would much rather have been watching Scooby-Doo. Right. But then I got to sit down and write my own version of a Scooby-Doo episode. That's great. And over time, it became this thing where, you know, I was a lonely latchkey kid with two hard-working immigrant parents, and I began to find company in the stories I would tell myself. Sure. It was a beautiful thing.
0: Because your imagination from writing and reading just continues to develop.
1: hmm And I think it helps phenomenally with patient care. My patients are looking to tell me their stories. They're looking to tell me about their lives, even as they're facing their mortality, and so having a reverence for language and listening to stories has really helped me be a very a good doctor in this field.
0: Now, could you tell uh, listeners a little bit about, um, it's palliative care? Yes. Mm-hmm. What, what exactly so, that is?
1: So palliative care is a special type of medical care that we provide for patients and families who are facing a serious illness. And that means sometimes the illness is not curable. Um, but not always. And we focus on treating the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of suffering and grief that come with the experience of living with a serious illness. So on any given day, I treat cancer pain, I treat the nausea that comes from the treatment of cancer, Mm -hmm. and I sit down and talk with patients and families and my colleagues in medicine about where a patient is with their illness, how serious it is, and what possible options they have for themselves moving forward. And I'd like to think of these conversations, which are called goals of care conversations, as reflections on a patient's life and trying to bridge what they value the most in their lives with a medical care plan that will help them to achieve what's most important to them and what gives their life meaning in the time that they have. Palliative care, it should be said, is distinct from hospice, which I think a lot of people assume is the same thing as palliative care.
0: I did. I thought so. But
1: Yeah. yeah you're in very good company. I think a very large percentage of people, and many people in the practice of medicine think the two are the same. But hospice is a type of palliative care that we provide for patients who we think are in the last six months of life. Mm -hmm. Palliative care is available to patients with a serious illness no matter what stage of disease they're in. It could be very early on. It could be a later stage. But no matter what the stage and no matter how long we think you have to live, palliative care is an option. So that's one of the biggest distinctions.
0: So I want to interject something. My dad had stage four colon cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. And um I made it a point of every time I was with him, I would take videos or t- you know pictures and talk to him cuz I just felt like every time I was with him it was, you know, I it was just precious and I didn't know how much yeah. longer. And um and you here you're not even related but it's so com- you're showing so much compassion um and people need that. Absolutely. I think that in our medical system, we don't always see- See
1: and hear our patients. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the beauties of palliative medicine is that we have the time and space to really sit down, hear them, see their suffering, figure out how we can use our best tools in medicine, but also really our deepest compassion as human beings to help them live the best lives they can no matter what they're facing. And I think it's, you know, many of us went into medicine to do that but the system doesn't give us the time and space to be the best doctors we can. In palliative care, it's kind of an irony that we have that time and space when somebody is really, really sick. And I have to wonder how our system would support well-being from all of our patients if we took a palliative approach even
0: early on in life. It's so interesting. Wow. And um, how does it feel to be doing what you're doing now? um in terms of my work or yes. the book or um the your work and the book
1: i mean i think that it i mean it feels wonderful to be able to have a book out into the world that's filled with stories of how i took this very unusual turn most doctors don't go into medicine to care for patients they can't cure Yes. So how did I get there? And I I tell the stories of my parents who are very deeply spiritual and who taught me from a young age that mortality and impermanence are not things to be feared. They're basic facets of human life. And then I went into medical school, and we don't talk about any of that. If anything, death is thought of as an enemy that we need to fight at all costs. So the book is really my way of working out on the page where I came from as a person and how I used what where I came from and the lessons I was taught to become this very unusual sort of doctor. And it's also filled with stories about the patients and families that I've been able to take care of because I think I needed to honor them, yes. and I think... My hope is that readers will read their stories and start to think for themselves about what they would want if they were facing circumstances similar to what my patients faced. So I think of the book as really an act of reverence to where I came from and what I get to do now, and I just hope it will help people. That was really the reason I wrote it.
0: I'm, I'm smiling because I'm thinking that just has to take everything from, I mean, you went to Yale and you you have achieved so much. It must make you so proud to have this book out.
1: It's, you know, I remember the first time I I held the hardback in my, the version, the hardback version of the book in my hands. And I just, I was completely, it was, it was a feeling of overwhelm beyond language. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it, but I put my nose into the center of the book and just took a deep inhale. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, this has been the work of the, past three years, but it's also been stories that have been accumulating in me and kind of pushing against my bones for a lifetime, and here it is. And you needed to get it out. I needed to get it out. Mm -hmm. It was something beyond me that was compelling me to write this, and, you know, I really wrote it as an act of service, and my deep hope is that people read it and start to have the sorts of conversations in a language that's not as dire and as euphemistic as many of our discussions tend to be around life and death and illness right now.
0: So we have to wrap up, Sunita, but where can people find out more about you and your book?
1: So um, you can visit my website at www.sunitapuri.com, and the book is available at your local independent bookstore and certainly on Amazon as well. Um, and I'll be doing, I've been doing a bunch of events and I still have more to come and would really love to connect with readers and,
0: you know, promote this very needed conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling into the show. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. If you missed any part of my conversation with Sunita, it will be up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And her website is sunitapuri.com. And all her info about the book and her background is up on the blog as well. Uh, standing by is, um, I think Mike Kaspar has taken over for Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. So they're on next. So I'm just about out of here. Again, if you want to find out about being a guest, you can send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at org. Have a great Monday, everyone, and I will be back next week. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.